This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, fear and uncertainty is something we all face, especially when you're talking about building a business. And when you throw in a world pandemic, I think we can all say that we didn't see that one coming. But I think today's guest helps us out uh, with the mindset of getting through this unprecedented time of uncertainty. He is the face of the Flying Walendas, the famous circus family known for performing crazy feats without safety nets. He is also known for his daring televised tightrope walks over Times Square, Niagara Falls, the Grand Canyon, and most recently in early 2020 when he walked over the active Messiah volcano. He is the holder of 11, get this, 11 Guinness World Book of Records. And he's also the author of Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. He is, and it is an absolute honor to talk to him, Nick Walenda. Nick, how's it going, good sir? I am doing great, Dominic. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries. So you know what? We can, we can definitely use your help today, Nick. Are you ready to pour some knowledge into Startup Nation today? I am, man. I am so excited about this new book that's coming out. I bet. I bet. So first things first, if you would, sir, just kind of talk to us a little bit about Growing up in the Walinda family, some of those life lessons you kind of learned in there. I know they're in the book, but kind of share some of those uh, life lessons you learned early as a kid in, in the Walinda family. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you a little bit of history. Sure. My family started performing back in the 1780s wow. uh, over in Bohemia, eventually making their way to Germany in uh, 1928. They were brought over to the United States to perform on Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. And uh, they performed their headline there for about uh, 20 years before my great-grandfather started his own show, where he then created uh, the seven-person pyramid on the wire, which uh, he created in 1942, performed that until 1962. And in 1962, they were performing that in Detroit, Michigan. There was a collapse of that pyramid. Two uncles killed, one paralyzed. And... uh, Great grandfather snuck out of the hospital and got back on the wire the next day, living by the word, the show must go on, gotcha. um, which is really, really kind of leads to my life. Uh, my family through triumph and tragedy, a great grandfather lost his life in, uh, in, uh, 1978, walking right. between two buildings and one Puerto Rico at 73 years old. And, uh, you know, growing up in that legacy, I was born about nine months after he lost his life. 
and uh, kind of had had a lot of different different mindsets that were sort of uh, inherited, if you will, from right. family history of of a never giving up no matter what. And I really carried that out throughout my career and throughout my life, which I believe is why when you think of Melinda this day and age, you definitely think of Nick Melinda because I just have that mindset of not giving up, not backing down, pursuing my dreams, no matter what challenges I face. Uh, you know, I talk a lot about it in my first book balance where I went through a, a challenging time, uh, uh, throughout my teen years, because my mom had written a book called The Last of the Wallendas, because mm-hmm. the circus world as a whole was sort of going away. Right. And she didn't believe there was a future in it. So my parents really pushed me away from the industry, which was what I loved doing. My family loves walking wires. I know it sounds crazy, but my great grandfather said it best when he said, Life is on the wire and everything else is just waiting. Mm-hmm. And for my family, that was very, very true. This is our life. So here I am, a teenager, trying to make a decision of what I'm going to do for my career, and my parents are saying, hey, you know what, even though it's your passion, even though that's what you love, it's probably not what's best for you. It's not what's best to support a family to be in an industry that's going away. Right. My great-grandfather said it best. He wrote a book in the 70s. He said, as a wire walker, one day you eat the chicken, the next day you eat the feathers. Mm. And uh, and it was very, very true. So Absolutely. so growing up under that under that mindset, I really struggled with what I was going to do with my life. Because here I thought I knew my calling. I thought I knew what I was meant to be, what I was created to be, which was a daredevil and a wire walker and carrying on a legacy. But my parents were like, you know, I don't know that it's right for you. And I talk a lot about in that book about how I, I, I would take three steps forward. We were, long story short, I was accepted at a university. I was going to move on and become a pediatrician was the ultimate goal because there wasn't a future in what we did. And we were invited to go back to Detroit, Michigan when I was 18 years old, two months away from going to college, uh, to recreate that pyramid for the first time since it fell back in 1962. Mm-hmm. We went there and I realized that our business wasn't dying, but it was changing. And what I mean by that was right. there was me from around the world there that were uh, there to see us. They were doing documentaries from everywhere from Germany to China to Japan. A&E was there for the U.S., uh, Larry King Live, a- Entertainment Tonight, you name it. They were all there to cover this this show. Right. Uh, so, I, you know, the industry isn't dying. It's changing. And I kind of set off really kind of upsetting my parents in a sense, uh, although, of course, they want to see me happy, but but also want to see me pay my bills and be able to support my family. Sure. Um, but and, hey, you know what? I'm going to carry on this legacy. And and I talk a lot about how there were many times where I would take three steps forward uh, and four steps backwards. I, I went on to break a world record. I thought if we do big things, it'll create headlines, it'll build our brand, and it'll support our, our dreams and be able to actually support us financially. So we broke a world record made headlines around the world. And I went, came back to Florida and went back and worked in a restaurant for three years, uh, all the while trying to pursue this dream at the same time. But, but I think there's so many people that are on the, on the cusp of success uh, of their dream. And because of one failure, they give up on that dream. And what I've learned through my career and through my life is that you cannot be successful unless you have failure. It takes failure to become successful. Uh, it's just part of the journey. You have to go through the valley, uh, to get to the peak of the mountain. It is part of it. So I learned that early on in life that, Hey, we're going to have big setbacks, but, but continue to push through and don't give up no matter what. Uh, again, it wasn't as though I just sat around waiting for the next check to come in. I, I worked and maintained a, uh, an occupation just to, to be able to support my family in the meantime, uh, but also continue to pursue those dreams. So, so growing up in that lifestyle went on to, to have this dream of walking across Niagara Falls and, and the process of that, which took changing two laws in two countries that were over a hundred years old 
just to get permission to do that walk. It was a monumental task to do that. But again, a lot, it, it was three steps forward and then four steps backwards. But I continue to live by that legacy of what my family had taught. Meanwhile, I was also taught that I could overcome any thoughts in my mind, that those thoughts of fear that creep in when I step up to the edge of the wire, that rather than accepting those thoughts, I can counter those thoughts. And what, what one would consider fear, my family actually considers respect. And we can talk about that a little bit more. Mm, if like. For sure. And we definitely do want to talk about it. But I want to ask you something a little bit, because talk about that transition a little bit more uh, from the circus into what you do now, because I guess what I'm asking is like, what were some of those steps that you took, you know, to kind of monetize? Was it speaking yeah. engagement? Was it the feats? Like kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. So I, I had the struggle of, of being, being grown, raised up in a legacy that was again, an industry that was going away. Right. So I had to take an, an industry that is several hundred years old and figure out how can I change it? How can I adapt to the times? And I think there's a lot of businesses out there right now that are dealing with the, th- the same thing. Uh, businesses can become irrelevant if they don't remain relevant uh, and, and they don't work hard to remain relevant. So I, I, I had to take, again, this age old industry, this 300, 400 plus year old industry, not just 200 year legacy and, and continue to create and think outside of the box. So, so that's when I, I really, I sat back and said, what can I do? How can I, how can I do what, what you see under a circus tent, which is really my family history, mm-hmm. but bring it mainstream. And that's when I started pursuing permission to walk across the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, and have these, these ideas of, of doing these bigger walks. Now, again, the journey was, was tremendously hard, uh, overwhelmingly challenging, um, but it was something that I believed in. I truly believed in. And I think there, there are so many people out there right now that have dreams and have goals that they truly believe in, but because of fear, because of the mind talking them out of it, they don't pursue those dreams. And in my latest book, facing fear, I talk a lot about, about that. I think, um, you know, I really wrote this book prior to this pandemic. Uh, it was pretty much wrapped up. I wrote an extra chapter after this pandemic came out because I think it just hit so many more people with fear, but I really wrote it to the person that, that is is held back from their their greatest achievements from their from their calling really uh, from their purpose because of fear. I think there are so many people in society that are scared to pursue their dreams of whatever it might be, whatever their occupation might be, whether their if their dream is to climb Mount Everest. I think so many people's minds say, "Well, you're not going to be able to climb Mount Everest." There are very few people in the world that can. My mind says, "Why can't I be one of those very few people that does?" Right. And I think we just have to learn to reprogram our brain. You know, we all know that analogy of the, the devil on one uh, shoulder and, and, and the angel on the other. And right. they're, they're continually arguing. That's, that's real in all of our minds. There is a battle going on in our, in our minds. And it's up to us whether we allow the, the negative to overtake the positive, whether we, we allow that, that or what we consider negative. You know, I think there is healthy fear and I think there's unhealthy fear. I think there's, there's, uh, unhealthy fear that says don't pursue your dreams because you're getting a paycheck every two weeks and it's covering your, your mortgage. Right. But then there's that healthy fear that says keep your job while you pursue simultaneously your dreams. And once your dream job comes through, then you'll be set. Don't quit your, your job that's holding you over. Uh, so again, I think, I think it's just learning that to balance uh, that out in our minds, to balance uh, what is that? What, what fear is holding me back and how can I overcome that fear? Uh, and how can I, how can I counter those negative thoughts? I'll give you an example. When I'm walking across the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. I got hit with 48 mile an hour winds, 1600 wow. feet up, no safety devices. Right. 
And uh, Jim Cantori was on site. My father speaks to me. So Jim says to my dad, hey, that was a 48-mile-hour gust. My dad says, hey, Nick, that was 48-mile-an-hour gust. Immediately, my mind wants to go crazy and jump, drop down to that wire and hold on for, for help. Right. But I can counter that thought of fear by saying, well, you trained with 90-mile-an-hour winds. This is barely half of what you trained for, and you sustain them with no issue during training. So, and that's just a real applicable for my career, but I'm able to take that negative and turn it to positive. What happened in this book was we were, we were getting ready to break a world record for an eight person pyramid. Right. And uh, we right. trained, trained very, very hard pyramid collapsed. Right. Uh, five right. family members fell. Uh, my sister in a coma broke every bone in her face, nearly died. Mm-hmm. And what happened was at that point I had a seed planted in my mind. And I often talk to people and say, you know, Fear can be like, or or negative thoughts can be like a weed in your garden. If you don't counter that, if you don't pull that weed out, eventually it'll germinate, spread seeds, and 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 it will take over your garden. And a seed was planted when that accident happened, and it was seed of fear, something I didn't think was in my DNA. And I, it was something that I had. The, it was certainly the greatest struggle of my life and career to overcome this mental challenge, which again, mind you, I've trained my whole life to overcome fear. Of course. Yet fear is what almost took my career away from me. For sure. For sure. And, and I appreciate you sharing that, but I want to ask a follow-up because look, Nick, you, you know, you, you've had this amazing success, right? But you've also had some, you know, turbulent times where you've hurt yourself. You just talked about the, uh, the eight person pyramid where your sister almost died and stuff like that. So like, it's one thing to like overcome fear, but how do you overcome fear when there's been failure, when you've fallen off the rope when, or in, in some people's cases, you've gone on a sales call and you got like 1300 no's and stuff like that. How do you overcome sure. the, the, the failure? I mean, that that fear once you've actually have experienced failure and seen people in front of you experience that failure as well? Yeah, look, I, I, I would look at 1300 no's as. 1301 is going to be a yes. Fair enough. And, and although it's challenging, it's overwhelming. It really is, is the way, and this isn't something that comes, I'm just not naturally just a positive person. I'm, I, I don't naturally see those things. This is something that I've, I've learned by practicing mm-hmm. over and over again, right. by not allowing It's funny how one accident of an eight person pyramid overcame the thoughts of that one accident overcame the over 4,000 times I've held that pyramid successfully. But it was the one negative time, and that's all my mind could focus on. And that's what almost, again, almost ruined, ruined my, my, my occupation. I took it away from me. It took away my passions was that one time. So, again, I think, I think we all know that, that, that I guess maybe we don't all know, but success is, is generally at 1,301. It's generally at the point where you're ready to give up, and that's when you're going to succeed, and that's when you're going to have a windfall of success. Uh, momentum. You have to have those negatives. You have to have the nose because that's what builds character. Take that 1300 nose as incredible practice because now you have so much experience that 1300, one, two, three, four, and maybe seven and eight, nine are going to be yeses because you have such great experience from those 1300. So we can look at that as negative and give up, or we can look at it as positive, but it all, it all comes down to our mindset. And really that, that, that applies to everything in life. And, And what I've learned is, is I have to apply that and practice that continually and daily. It's not something that stays with me just because, oh, well, I've trained my mind and now I'm always positive. And I No, it's something that I have to work on every single day because my mind still wants to go to the negative. And I have to grab that thought and go, nope, I'm going to turn that to positive. 
And, uh, and it's amazing how well that works. And it, 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 I used to be the one that would hear per, uh, somebody saying what I'm saying right now. I'd be on the other side of the speaker and I'd be rolling my eyes. And then I started practicing it. And, uh, and it's amazing how much my life has changed and altered through that process. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And I think you said something very important. Startup Nation, I hope you caught that. That is something that you have to work on constantly. It's not just one of those things where you just like, oh, fear is gone. I don't fear uncertainty no more. But it's something that you constantly work on. And I, I also appreciate the transparency where you talked about how you're not naturally an optimistic uh, person and that you have to work on that every day. So I appreciate all of that, Nick, for sure. Absolutely, man. I am. I'm so blessed with the opportunities in life that I've been through. And again, I had no desire of even writing another book. I wrote, I wrote my first book balance and it really told my life story and, and a lot of my struggles. I'm very, very open, transparent about the good, the bad, the ugly. It doesn't matter. I talk about it. I I feel like there's nothing to hide. And the reason being is because we all have those, we all have those, those, uh, those, those, uh, attitudes or characteristics that we hide in the closet. And the reality is I believe that I have gone through what I've gone through. And if I go through it myself, it's selfish and there's no benefit to it. But if I can use the experience I've gone through to help somebody else, to help somebody else overcome fear, to help somebody else pursue their dreams, to help somebody else overcome uh, uh, shame. I talk a lot about shame in my book as well. And mm-hmm. if, if I can do that, then I believe that I've, I've actually succeeded in life. You know, right. success is different. Everybody. To me, a legacy is, is leaving a lasting positive imprint on, on other people. And my hopes are, again, through this book and, and, the, and the challenges that I went through that were to the point where after that accident, I went to my wife, uh, we started training about, I went on to perform for six weeks, took about six weeks off, got back on the wire to train after that accident with a new group because we were contracted to do that pyramid mm-hmm. and started experiencing fear uh, to the point where I went to my wife and said, I'm done. I can't walk the wire anymore. And I'll never forget what she said. She's, she's extremely supportive of me. And she said, look, I respect what you're saying and I'll respect that. If that is your decision, I will 100% back you. But your family for over 200 years have lived by the words, the show must go on. You've lived by never give up, the words never give up. And you've inspired so many people to not give up or to get back on the horse. And she's like, you need to live out what you've always said. And you need to start recalling what you've learned and what you've taught throughout your life and start recalling that. And that kind of flipped a switch and it didn't happen overnight. It was the greatest challenge that I ever had to overcome was overcoming this fear where I was literally watching this pyramid as I was holding it. I would reenact the accident in my head, play it over and over again, a form of PTSD, literally watching it happen. Uh, And and again, the greatest challenge of my life. But going through it, I realized when I look back, I went through it. um, and, And rather than going through it and saying, "Okay, great, I made it. I made it to the other side. My thought was, you know what? I made it through this. And there's so many people that have fallen off the wire that don't want to get back up. I believe that all of us are on the wire. We're all trying to get to the other side, whether we all have different wires of life, but we're all just trying to get across. And, and my hopes are that through my experiences that I'm able to hopefully help somebody else overcome what's holding them back and help them, whether it be a health issue, whether it be raising teenagers, whether it be, uh, whether it be pursuing their dreams, but, but help them get to the other side. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And, and you mentioned, uh, your wife and, and the, uh, the part of the book, uh, about talking about shame, chapter four, silencing, uh, shame. And you, you talk about your wife in the story that you just told and you, you talk about something a little bit bigger than that. You talk about the importance of a community and stuff like that when you're going through 
something that you, you're pursuing your dreams and stuff like that. Kind of talk about that, Nick, a little bit about the importance of a community that surrounds you as you go forth uh, and pursue your dreams and face and fear and things of that nature. Yeah, I, I talk about so much about um, about community in this book because mm-hmm. it really is about uh, you know, my successes in life are about my team, about my community, about the people that are around me. Uh, I think that it's so easy to be, you know, I, I've told my kids growing up, you can judge a man by his friends. And if you hang out with a lot of negative people, you're going to become, it's just natural. You're going to become negative. If you, if you, if you hang out with, I've always tried to hang out with people that are, that are more successful than me that I can learn from. Um, uh, and, and, and I try to spend time with people that, that I can sort of bounce ideas off of that I know have already been there that I can talk to. And, and, and it, look, if it wasn't for my community, I wouldn't have written this book because I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't be back on the wire. I wouldn't have been able to get back on the wire, but that support team is so key, uh, to, to our successes in life. It's important that we have a supportive spouse. It's important that we have a supportive friend or several supportive friends that can help us because look, the reality is you know, it's a teeter, it's a teetering act. Uh, your friend might be down while you're up and you might be up while they're down. And and it's all about community of saying, reaching down, because the reality is we all have to go through the valleys. Right. Uh, so wh- when I'm going through the valley, I'm hoping my friend is on the mountaintop because I can reach down and grab my hand. And, and those are the people that I try to try to surround myself with. Uh, and, and it is, again, the only reason, you know, people watch these amazing TV specials where I'll, I'll, I'll do these walks on, you know, I, I we talked about walking over an active volcano in Nicaragua. Right. The reality is it took 400 people to make that TV special happen, right. including producers and, and cameramen. And, but it's about, you only see me, but the reality is I could not, there's no way humanly possible for me to accomplish that by myself. Uh, it's all about teams. So I, I encourage people to be wise and, and choose your friends wisely, you know, um, and, and I've always tried to do that. I've learned that my friends change as, as I grow up, as I mature right. my friends. Now that doesn't mean my old friends aren't still my friends, but the people that I, the core team that I surround myself with, they certainly change as I mature and as I grow up. Uh, and some of my friends have been along that journey and some of them are still great friends, but they're not necessarily on that core team anymore because we've just out, I've, I've outgrown them with, with, uh, with my team. Um, but surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and people that will encourage you and people that will lift you up. And also, again, keep in mind, there are many of those friends that I have, uh, I have sort of, uh, respectfully outgrown that I, that I reach back for all the time and say, come on, get up here. Let's go catch up. I'm up here now time for you to make it up here. And, and it's, it's really an awesome balance of life. Just being able to, it sort of all becomes full circle eventually. And to see where I progress, then also a friend will leapfrog me and then reach back for me. And, and that's really, that's really the way it should be in life. For sure. And I appreciate you sharing that because you, you, you talk about uh, some of those friends who, you know, where their roles kind of change in your life. You know what I mean? Like what they were for you five years, you know, now five years from now, they may be something different uh, or maybe they're not there anymore. And being OK and being comfortable with that as you grow and as you go through that maturation process. I appreciate all of that, Nick, for sure. Once again, Startup Nation, we are talking to Nick Walinda, the author of Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. That book is out today, Startup Nation. We have a link in the show notes for easy access 
access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. Going back to walking across the active volcano, Nick, and you talked about, uh, you know, having a team there. I, I saw the ABC special where it talked about uh, your uncle kind of being uh, there and, and, and leading that charge to help you get across that process. I want to ask kind of a two part question, if I may. I guess the first part is, um, Talk about like some of the conditions when you walked across uh, that that volcano, you know, like how hot it was, because, I man, you were sweating, brother. You were sweating bullets, seriously. Uh, <laughs> but but talk about the wind gusts. Talk about all those factors you have to overcome and stuff like that. But on this, my second question on top of that is, you know, you you said that like once you get, you know, and, and this is such a great metaphor for facing fear. Once you get towards like the you, know, you just really dive into it. You become more comfortable. So kind of talk about all of that, if you don't mind, good sir. Sure. Yeah, look, I would, uh, first of all, the, the volcano was a dream of mine that 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 sort of uh, came to mind. I was, I was flying to do a, a uh, corporate event where I was speaking in Mexico City. And as we flew in, there's a, a, a very famous volcano there. And my wife goes with me on most of the most of my events. And I, I remember looking out the window and seeing this active volcano and looking over and saying, it would be pretty amazing to be the only person in the world to walk a wire directly over an active volcano. I know that sounds crazy, but it's, it's literally the way my mind works. So she looks at me and sort of rolls her eyes, knowing that it's something that I'll pursue because it's just the way I the way I am. The challenge was finding a volcano that that really fit the needs of what I wanted to do. And it's quite contrary to what you would think. You would think if being a wire walker looking for a volcano, you would want one that was not active, that wasn't windy, that was fairly low to the ground. And you walk over the caldera, the crater, and and uh, you've walked over a volcano. I was looking for a volcano that had 2000 plus degree magma flowing at the bottom that had heavy gases in the air. That was at least a thousand feet up. It happened to be 1800 feet up and 1800 feet across. It was the highest, the longest, the hottest, uh, and the windy, very, very windy, uh, walk as well. So we were facing every element. When I look to do these things, I think about how I'm going to, how am I going to continue to challenge myself to be better? I think it's so easy to get to a point in your career where you become complacent. Right. All right. I'm the boss. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm the assistant manager. I'm the general manager. I'm good enough. My goal in life is always to be the CEO and own the company. That's just the way I've always operated. And that's even back when I worked at a restaurant. Didn't matter. I started at 15, working at a restaurant, still performing during the summers, worked my way up to general manager, 22 employees by the time I was 19. It was just the way, it's just the way my mind works. I believe that Everything we do, we should do with excellence, with the greatest of our ability. And I believe that attitude is honored. It's honored by our bosses. It's honored by our CEO. Uh, and, uh, and it's something that is, that is very, very important, uh, certainly uh, to, to achieve success, at least in my mind. So, so I found a volcano in Nicaragua that had all of those elements. Mm. The challenge was to rig it was, was going to be fairly impossible because of the gases, because of the heat, because right. of the instability wire, et cetera. So again, talk about team. I, I, I put them under so much pressure I because, bet. you know, my uncle, who's my lead engineer will go, come on, Nick, why here? Why did you have to choose this one? Um, but again, I think that being a, a leader, um, you're, you should continually to cha- continually challenge your team. I think that's extremely important to continually challenge them to be better. I think a great leader makes great leaders. And, and that's always my goal. Um, when, when I'm, when I'm doing these walks is how can I use what I do? And, and not just these walks, but again, this accident that happened in the wire, how can I use what I'm going through to help others? Uh, it is just, it is, there's so much 
it's so much more rewarding to give than receive. And, and in my opinion, we can do that in all walks of life. We can do that as a boss. We can do that as a leader. We can do that as an employee. You know, I've taught my kids that growing up that your job is to make your job's boss as simple as possible because one day he's going to want to retire. Right. And guess who he's going to choose? He's going to choose you. So, so live and lead with excellence. And, uh, and you're sure to be successful in, in whatever occupation. You know, another thing I've told my children is no matter where you go, I don't, I don't care if you work at uh, a fast food restaurant or if you work at IBM uh, or if you were, or you're the president of the United States, do it to the best of your ability and work harder than anyone else around you. And you'll be successful with the goal of always being better uh, and, and, and always, again, making the boss's job as easy as possible. And um, you know, I'm, I'm extremely proud. I've got three children. I've got a son who's 22 who's in the Marines, uh, serving our country and one in the army at 19. I'm in a 17 year old daughter, but, um, and, and they are climbing the ranks fairly quick because I believe it's because of those, those, um, important little seeds that I planted in their life throughout their childhood of, of, of always being the hardest worker. And, and it's, I, I operate some businesses locally in Florida, uh, mm-hmm. that I own when I'm there. I can promise you if you went there without anyone, me knowing and talk to any of the employees, they would tell you that I will outwork any one of them anytime that, that they are there or that I'm at that office. Uh, cause it's just, it's just my nature is I'm always going to lead by example and I'm going to lead with excellence. And just really quickly, like this, the second part of my question, just talk about why, you know, as you move forward in pursuing your dream and it just starts to not necessarily gets easier, but you're not as fearful. You're not as, you know, as scared to face that uncertainty. Cause like I said, you talked about that when you got yeah, towards think- the middle, you know, of the volcano, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think, I think, look, we all have, um, I'll learn from every time I've learned anything in my life. It's been through the, it's been in the Valley. That's where I learned. It's not when I'm on the mountaintop. It's when I'm in the Valley. And and again, I think, I think that there's so much importance uh, to that Valley. That's where the learning happens. That's where the iron sharp is being sharpened is down in those valleys. Uh, So through those experiences, uh, again, we can take those and give up or we can take those and move up. And that's what I've always chose to do is, is, is always continue to, no matter what situation I'm in, uh, continue to push forward and, um, and, and learn during them. And the more that I do that, the more valleys I'm in, the more comfortable I get in that valley. Uh, and, the, and the easier it is to see, to look back and go, okay, I've been through this. Uh, it, it's funny, every TV special I've done, every one of them, days before the event, something massive will happen that will throw things for a loop. And mm. perfect example is my latest walk. Well, well, Grand Canyon, I woke up the morning very, very sick, uh, which is obviously a big deal when you're walking 1800 feet on, on a cable, the size of a, a tennis ball, of course. uh, volcano two days before the walk cable started snapping. Now this is my sixth TV special on national TV. And, and normally Early on, I would have lost it, freaked out, been fearful, scared, like these cables could snap, I could fail, I, I could lose my life, etc. Now I respect what I do and I realize I'm always risking my life, but I also, again, train and prepare properly. But rather than that, at this point, because of experience, I expect something like that. So when it comes, it doesn't rock my world. Again, here I get hit with a valley, but it's okay because 
I know that through the valley, there's going to be success. There's going to be that mountaintop coming up. So the more you go through those situations, the more comfortable you get in those situations and you handle those situations better. And the more, the better you handle them, the quicker they go away. And, 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 and I've learned that there's no benefit. There is, there's no benefit whatsoever to stressing out over things. We cannot, we should focus on them. We should work on them. We should use wisdom. We should surround ourselves with the right people. But to stress out over a situation, there is literally only negative implications of stressing out. There is nothing positive of stressing out. Uh, speaking in public, when I first started speaking in public, man, I would be, I wouldn't sleep for days. I'd walk <laughs> over the Grand Canyon and sleep fine the night before. Gotcha. Get on stage and talk to a group. I wouldn't sleep for days. Wow. What I learned is because of that stress, I'd get on the stage and I would, I would, I would bomb. In my mind, I mean, I'm a high achiever, which gotcha. so I, I could never deliver deliver the level I want to. But I would feel like I bombed. Well, the more I got comfortable, the more the better I did. The more people would understand, the more people would listen, the better my message would be delivered. Um, again, it was about that repetition, but uh, there was no benefit to me stressing out. Um, I, even in, and I practice this all the time and, and it really, it is a, about where we allow our mind to go very much in my new book, facing fear. I talk about it. Uh, but early on in my marriage, I would get an argument with my wife and I would just anything I could do. I was not going to lose that argument mm. and it would be an all out fight. It could last days. It could last weeks. It didn't matter. I've learned at this point in my life that there is no benefit, even if I'm right, which is rare, there's no benefit to winning that argument. So let it go. There is nothing good that's going to come out of that. So again, our minds are programmed to negative. I always just try to focus on positive. When I get in an argument with my wife, I used to think of the, 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 that, that fight, and that would be it, that argument, rather than the 300 incredible dates that we went on, et cetera. You know, right. I would always focus on the one. Uh, even with this accident, thousands of times doing this pyramid, I focus on the one negative. So it's a, something that I practice constantly, and it's, it's where I allow my mind to go. People don't under, we don't understand we're in our mind. Our mind is not in control of us. Once we can learn that we can achieve anything. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexel series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. 
is 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. Startup Nation, Swanson Health has been producing quality vitamins and supplements, foods, healthy home, and self-care products for over 50 years, since 1969, from the heart of America. Swanson Health carries over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. Pick up all of your favorite health products, plus discover new ones for your wellness routine, all while leaving money in your pocket. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code STARTUP20 for 20% off at swanson.com. We have a link there in the show notes if you listen to the replay. This episode of The Startup Life is powered by Colony Spark. Startup Nation, with our economy in flux, there is a lot of mixed messaging out there. If there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them, it's now. And that's why you have a friend in Colony Spark. Colony Spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business. They have helped companies across many industries with lead generation, revenue growth, and more to put them on the path to success. My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. Sharing that. And you know what you were, when you were talking, it reminded me of something you were saying earlier about like when you, uh, you know, you said in your mind when you did a speaking engagement, like you bombed or something like that, or, or even when you're uh, getting ready for a big event, a big televised event, you maybe hurt yourself and stuff like that. You were talking about how you learned that there's a level of respect. Uh, for the, those 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 adversarial uh, moments, kind of talk about that a little bit because, like I said, you talked about that a little bit in the uh, top of the show a little bit. Yeah, look, I I think that through you know through every situation, uh, we learn more about more and more about um, well, what we 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 learn we learn more about respect. We learn more about respecting those situations. Right. You know, I I so many people call would walk to the edge of a building and look down and they would be fearful, right? Gripped right. by fear. Of course. I walk to the edge of the building and I probably have close to the same emotion, but rather than that motion being fear, I call it respect. Mm. I respect the fact that that's a long way down and then I could get hurt. I respect the fact that there's danger there, but I don't have to be so fearful that I can't walk to the edge. I know that the edge of the building is solid. Now I will tell you when I walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, I'm on a rock that was made by God, and I don't know if that rock's going to slip or move. And I am extremely cautious. I'm not scared, but I respect that, that rock. I use my wisdom, right. and I respect that that rock could fall out from under me. And I think that's the difference. It is again, there's healthy fear and there's unhealthy fear. There's fears that that are there in that are there on purpose. 
uh, a poisonous snake, it's smart to be fearful. Now, again, fearful to the point of screaming and running away, there's no benefit in that. But respecting and keeping my distance, there's absolutely there's absolutely a benefit of that. And then and then there's unhealthy fear that that again that keeps us um, from pursuing what we're called to be or, or or what our goals and dreams are in life. That that unhealthy fear tells us. Um, you know, to, to give up on your dreams and continue doing what you're doing because it's working. And again, if people could just overcome that um, and, and really overcome that negativity in their minds and, and really uh, uh, turn, turn that negative into positive. Uh, and, and when, when, when I want to, when I want to walk across the Grand Canyon and I find out that it's going to take changing rules and regulations and the rigging is going to be extremely expensive I don't let that be a negative. I let that actually fuel the flames, if you will. And that's what drives me to go, okay, it's a bigger challenge. I, I almost enjoy the challenge of getting permission as much as I do the walk itself. And, uh, and I think it's really, it's really about our mindset. And, and again, early on, it wasn't that way. Early on, uh, I remember trying to get permission to walk across Niagara Falls, changing two laws, two countries, 100 years old. I remember uh, you know, a door being closed. And, and sort of sitting there pouting like, ah, this isn't going to happen. This is dumb. Why am I even trying to do this? Uh, so again, it was a learned trade. It was something that through time I realized, no, as long as I continue to pursue this, as long as it, it's something um, you know, that is a desire, it's one of my passions, I'm going to continue to pursue it against those challenges. You, know? uh, you might apply for, for the same job at 50 different places, but again, don't give up. Continue to apply, even apply, reapply at the same place because – because it just takes the right person or, or that, that boss, that, that CEO at the right time pulling across that resume going, oh, you know what? I had that resume that I saw about six months ago, and, and that's exactly who we need for this position. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, I want to share uh, something from the book that's uh, super important, which is why you should purchase uh, Face and Fear and put it in your entrepreneurial toolkit. Nick has three lessons he learned from failure. Number one, fight every day for what you want. Number two, work for what you desire. And number three, accept failure as inevitable. And it kind of goes back to what you were talking about, uh, the Grand Canyon and that rock, you know, kind of expecting and having that respect for uh, things to kind of, uh, you know, maybe go awry a little bit. I, I want to ask yep. you this really quickly, because I know one of the things that's kind of a theme of your book is uh, your faith and expressing your faith uh, and stuff yep. like that. You know, and you tell the story about uh, Coulter and also your son and how they were related. Kind of tell yep. walk me through that story a little bit, if you don't mind, Nick. Yeah. So I um, when my son was was I. I believe he was like nine or 10 years old. I was getting ready to head to uh, North Carolina to speak at a corporate event. And I was, I was literally grabbing my bag to walk out of the house. My son was sitting at the, uh, at the kitchen table and he collapsed in front of me. And uh, when he collapsed, we didn't know what was wrong. Stopped breathing, called 911, ambulance came and uh, rushed him to the hospital. And uh, I'll never forget that moment where I was, I was actually going to speak in a church. Mm-hmm. And, um, in North Carolina. And I, and I remember going to the hospital and, and the doctors there, uh, knew me well and, uh, said, you know what? Uh, I told them I'm supposed to be on a plane, but it doesn't matter. I'm here because I'm going to be here for my son and, and, and I'm not going to go, go speak, uh, at this church tomorrow because of the, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about my son. And they said, look, we're not sure what's going on, but we're going to give him a bunch of tests. And, uh, and just make sure that he's fine. So they sent him back CT scan, x-ray, anything they could do quick blood work within 35 minutes, they were back and they said, look, 
everything looks clear, man. We're not worried about him. Everything's fine. You go ahead. Uh, you need to get on the plane. He's going to be fine. We think it was just he was on some uh, amoxicillin and he, he, he had drank something. We think they mixed together and it, it just caused him to, uh, to pass out for a minute. But, but he's going to be fine. So I remember looking at my wife and saying, I really don't feel like I should leave. He's still in the hospital. He's still laying in this bed. I don't think I should leave. And, and she said, look, you need to put God first. You're doing God's work. You're going to speak in the church. You need to get on that plane. Uh, so I remember getting on that plane and uh, I was on the tarmac getting ready to take off and the phone ringing. And my wife said, uh, Nick, we are in the back of an ambulance and we're heading to Tampa, which is about 45 minutes away, St. Petersburg to All Children's Hospital with Amadeus. Mm. I remember thinking, my gosh, we are, I'm on a plane. There's no way I can get off. Now I'm heading North Carolina. It's about eight o'clock at night. There's no return flights. It's a 14 hour drive. Right. What am I going to do? So I get on the plane, I get there and, um, and he's at all children's and they're running a bunch of tests. And I call my wife and I'm like, what should I do? She goes, no, she goes, no, you need to do God's work and do, do what you're supposed to be doing. So, so I ended up following through and, and a long story short, I ended up, um, I ended up speaking, uh, at three services at church while they were doing these tests, flew home straight to the hospital. And, uh, I'll never forget the moment that the, the nurse, uh, said the doctors would like to meet with you in a private room. Um, of course my heart dropped. We went to this private room and they said, look, we've done some x-rays and we, we are very concerned that, that your son, um, may have a form of cancer. And, uh, I'll, I'll never in a million years, never want to relive the emotions sitting in that room and, and going back to sit next to him and, and spending, a, uh, another week in that hospital, uh, as they ran more and more tests. And a long story short, it ended up that he was it was, uh, it was a non-cancer. So, so he did not end up having cancer, thank right. God. Um, but that, that moment in that room led me to, um, it, it sort of changed my heart uh, in a bunch of ways. And we now have a nonprofit, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Sure. But um, as I was walking across Niagara Falls, there was a little boy named Coulter. Uh, Coulter was about five years old, and his father, Michael, struggled with the fact that he would, whether he would let his son watch this walk and he was watching from the hospital room because because Coulter did have a a, a very um, a very strong form of brain cancer, uh, aggressive form of brain cancer. And he said, "Should I let him watch this guy risk his life? He's only five. And he said, "I decided to let him watch." And he said, "As we watched, we were so inspired by what you said and what you did, mm-hmm. and we were so inspired at the fact that um, that you know you were overcoming this." And Coulter became a huge fan. And if you're ever in in the Corpus Christi area, let us know. And, and I remember uh, that was a letter that I received and I remember receiving that letter and, and saying to my wife, you know, we've been on the other side of this now by the grace of God, our son did not have cancer in the end, but we know what these parents are going through. And I said, let's get on a plane. So we got on a plane and a long story short, we became extremely close with Coulter's parents uh, and Coulter. Coulter lived another six years and just passed away last year, actually. Uh, his parents and his sisters were both at my, my book, Volcano Walk in Nicaragua. But but through that, we've launched a foundation, the Nick Melinda Family Foundation. And this foundation is basically set up uh, for a program for children that are battling leukemia or forms of cancer uh, and the parents. Uh, because we went through this situation, I think the parents, the kids are always so strong. You know, they're, they're smiling, even though they've lost all their hair from uh, from radiation, et cetera, they're still smiling. It's the parents that are really struggling. So, so this nonprofit is set up to, to sort of help comfort these parents and be, uh, we've set up a couple programs. One is a, uh, a tour that we're working on where, uh, where we are, we're going to create a cartoon 
that will play on closed circuit TV in the children's hospital. Let's say we're going to the St. Pete Children's Hospital play for about two weeks. And it's a story of a, of a character who's trying to overcome a battle, a challenge, uh, not a health challenge, but he's trying to overcome something and win this challenge. And he continues to lose and lose and lose. And then in the end, the, the, the final episode is live in person. This character is, is under this castle-like circus tent where he goes in and sees uh, these children can actually come in and see the character that they've grown to love over the past couple of weeks via the cartoon actually overcome this challenge um, in, in, a, in a goal to bring these children to a place where I believe there's something powerful about them, A, leaving the hospital itself, even though it's in the parking lot, maybe 10 feet from the edge of the hospital. Uh, but it gets them out. And there's something powerful mentally about them getting out of that hospital. But also just that encouraging storyline of them, uh, this character overcoming this battle, hopefully encouraging them that they can overcome the battle. You know, my, my grandmother was diagnosed with stage four cancer when she was uh, 76 years old and lived another four years. The doctor said she had two more months. And the reality is the reason why she lived that long was because in her mind, you could get rid of cancer with, with, a, with a, a Tylenol, with an Advil. To her, it was nothing because she'd been through so much in life and she'd battled so much. And I talk about it in my book, but she'd battled so much that that cancer really didn't phase her. And because of that, she lived a lot longer. So there's something powerful, it's scientifically proven, about the mind and being able to to overcome something. So so the story is is created in that in that light. It's in the process of being created. We're still raising the funds to do that. But there's also a program for these parents just to to set up a um, basically a partner, somebody that will partner with these parents and be there to encourage them and pray with them and lift them up and talk with them uh, and just just be there with them. Uh, through these difficult times when their children are diagnosed. For sure, for sure. And Startup Nation, we have a link for that foundation in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast to check that out. You know, Nick, you were talking about uh, about children, how strong they are. Why, why do you think that is? Why is it that the children are so stronger than the parents and the family and stuff like that, in your opinion? You know, I think that we, as we get older and, and, and uh, grow up, I think we have so much more experience with the negative that we just... We just expect it almost. I think children are so, so innocent that, um, you know, again, I think they have that mindset, just like my grandmother sort of, of okay, well, that's all right, I'll overcome this. Um, you know, it, it takes uh, a fall on the playground to learn what it feels like to hit the ground, to be nervous about falling off, you know, that playground equipment. So um, if you've never tripped, then you're not scared of tripping. It is, it is sort of, I, I think as children, they have, again, they're so innocent. They haven't been through these, these tough experiences and situations that we've been through and, 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 and so positive. There are very few children that are negative. Again, I've spent a lot of time in children's hospital, uh, just visiting with, with families and man, the children are always so positive. Again, always the ones that are uplifting the parents, the parents will sit there crying and the children are like, why are you crying? Everything's fine. I feel good. Right. Uh, even though the children are the ones that are going through the battle. So, um, again, I really think it just comes from innocence, just from lack of experience and innocence. And there's something beautiful about that innocent mind. Um, there's something just beautiful. I mean, I, I deal with a lot of children with Down syndrome as well. And there's just such a beautiful, clean spirit about them and such a beautiful innocence. And I wish we could all be that. You know, I wish we could all go back to that just pure innocence. For sure. For sure. Thank you, Shannon. Nick, if you don't mind, talk about your faith and how important it is to you. I'm looking at your Instagram account right now where uh, right before you go across uh, the volcano that you and your team are praying. Uh, talk about your faith a little yeah. bit and your report and, and why it's important. Yeah, I mean, my, 
my faith is is the biggest reason why I'm able to do what I do. I, I to be honest with you, don't understand how people are able to make it through life if they don't have faith in something. Gotcha. Um, you know, I believe that I have. Uh, I know that I have a God that goes before me in life, and um, and that I have a best friend that I can always talk to and I can always lean on. Uh, you know, we can't always rely on our friends here on earth, but when you know that you've got a, a God you can talk to at any time, uh, and I, I truly know that Jesus Christ is, is with me everywhere I go. And, and uh, you know, I would tell you the most important decision I made in my life was accepting him into my heart. It was something I was raised, a family of faith. And, um, and really, that's again, that's how I'm able to stay calm and cool. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, God providing a peace that passes all understanding, and that's really uh, that's really how I'm able to stay calm, uh, and that's really how I'm able to to maintain composure uh, as leading up to these events. You know, I will be on the phone with somebody ten minutes before I get on the wire, and uh, and they get on the wire and walk. Um, and again, I could allow uh, stress to overtake me. I could allow worry and fear, but. Um, Again, I can also cast all my cares upon God. Now, I will tell you that I don't uh, in any way expect God to hold me on the wire. Um, I know that he could, but the reality is God gives me wisdom, and it, it's up to me. It's my decision to get on that wire, and it's up to me to train and prop, to prepare properly before getting on that wire. For sure. But just like getting in a car, what, what I do is a calculated risk, and what I mean by that is I can calculate the winds, I can calculate the tension of the wire, and then I can train for you know, for, for harder conditions. So when I get on a, uh, uh, when I walked over that volcano, I'd walked that cable nonstop six times, not there, mind you, in my backyard, not in that setting, but I've walked it six times. I walked it backwards, blindfolded, uh, everything you could imagine to kind of recreate, bring we bring in wind machines that create winds of 90 plus miles per hour. Mm-hmm. I walk in torrential downpours. I walked with a, a 30% oxygen deprivation mask on. I train and prepare for everything that I do immensely. It's not as though I just get out there and say, well, let's see what it's like over this area. There's a lot of study and research that goes into what I do. And and that's why it's a calculated risk. But the reality is every time we get in our car, we're taking calculated risk. When I'm driving five miles per hour on the interstate and there's a guy next to me driving, I don't know what his experience is. I don't know if he's been drinking. I don't know if he is on drugs. I don't know if he's depressed. It is a calculated risk. We are all taking risks every day in life. Uh, we just don't realize it because it becomes so normal. Um, and, and, and the reality is that's the same with me walking on that wire, but, but my faith is why I am who I am and how I am able to remain confident and positive in stressful situations. Now, am I always successful at that? Absolutely not. It is something that I continually practice over and over and over again. It is not something that just comes natural. Um, again, I have to continually practice getting rid of those negative thoughts, getting rid of that fear and countering it with, with, um, with, uh, with positive thoughts, uh, with, and again, my faith, I, I quote a lot of Bible verses, a lot of scripture that I've memorized. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really, that's really, uh, the, the source of, uh, of who I am. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that and being transparent about that, Nick. And once again, Startup Nation, we're actually wrapping up with Nick Walenda, the author of Facing Fear, Stepping Out, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. So, you know, you, you talked about the relationships with your team. You talked about having that community. Uh, but there's one constant and that's your wife. 
Talk about the importance she has been in your life and in your career, man. Yeah, man. She is my rock for sure. You know, there, that is, that is one of the team members that that is the the key uh, team member right there is having a wife that, that will, um, will reach down and pick you up, uh, when you're down and somebody that you can reach down and pick up when they're down. And I can tell you, it is, it's, we've been married for 20 years and it always, it hasn't always been that way. In fact, I talk about in my first book balance where we, um, we were separated, uh, where we didn't know if it was going to work out, but, um, I will tell you through thick and thin, we have, we have worked through it. And, um, that was many years ago. In fact, I think it was about 12 years ago now, but, um, but she is my rock, man. I can lean on her for, for anything. I, I remember when that accident happened, going to her and, and saying, Hey, I don't think I can do this anymore. And, and she was the one who said, look, I support you, but for 200 plus years, your family has lived by those words. The show must go on. You live by the words, never give up. You've lived to encourage and inspire people. You need to get your head out of the gutter and figure this out because that's who Nick Valenda is. Hey, Startup Nation. So today's content ran a bit over and I don't want to get in trouble with my radio partners. So go to the startuplifepodcast.com and catch the bonus content from today's episode. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. It